So, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Grace and peace be with you this morning. So, the gospel text. Uh, you know, you read the gospel text uh, this morning, and it's one of those texts. Remember, uh, it kind of begins with an invitation to have us go back and see what else has been taking place. Okay, so it says that same day. Of course, the question is, what same day? What's going on? So, as if he tells us that something has happened, and whatever it is, is influencing what has taken place, what Jesus is talking about. So, what did happen? To be honest, a lot of things were happening. Matthew's gospel is filled with various confrontations between Jesus, the synagogue leaders, and the religious elite. That's what makes his day. He's constantly dealing with that, and I'll tell you what, it's all over, especially in Matthew's gospel. But the main event was that Jesus had healed a man with a withered hand, and you know when it happened, right? When did it happen? Oh, Mom sat. So, you know, right, right away, that's, that's a problem for them. They began the whole discussion about who is, uh, has the authority to heal, and they even accused Jesus of being Satan, you know, Beelzebub. And they even accused him of, of using Satan's power to cast out Satan. But Jesus responds by saying, how can Satan cast out Satan? If that is true, then that house is divided and that house will fall. There's no way that could take place. As Jesus puts this, the house divided cannot stand. Then more discussion about good fruits come from good seeds, etc., etc., etc. Into this exchange, Jesus now turns and addresses the crowds. It's almost like he's fed up with arguing with the leaders and turns his attention to the people, to the children of God, says, you know what, I'm, I'm done with you guys. Enough. And he goes right to the people. He even turns away from his family, who suddenly appear in the story, right before this text, as if they're trying to be concerned about him. Oh, Jesus, you must be under a lot of stress. You know, you need to come home. Uh, your mental state may be in question here, but Jesus doesn't back down. He says, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And pointing to his uh, disciples, Jesus says, Here are my mother, my brother, and my sisters. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother, and my sister, and my mother. Now the overwhelming issue in the whole exchange has to do with God's concern and care for what is His, and that is the people. Not just the deep and religious, but all of God's children who find themselves on life's journey who are trying to find their way to Him and back home. It's on that same day then that Jesus tells this parable of the sower. Now we have probably heard this story told many times, so I am probably not going to surprise you with what I have to say this morning. Still what I see in, hopefully, uh, uh, excuse me, Still, what I see, hopefully, can once again uh, immerse you into the gospel of grace. Because this is a story of grace, and we need to hear that as a story of grace. It is strange how we tend to immediately ask ourselves this question in hearing this particular parable. What kind of soil am I? Is that the first thing that came to your mind as soon as the story was read? We can't help but move immediately to ask ourselves that critical question. There must be something wrong with me. There must be kind of some sort of soil that I've done. I'm not reaping the benefits of the harvest here. What kind of soil am I? More importantly, we turn to our neighbors and we point up here and say, Hey, what kind of soil are you? Okay. So 
out and we start pointing at each other. And I saw him. Strange, yes, but pretty predictable, I think. There is that old self, that old self-righteous sinner that lives inside of us and is hell-bent on justifying him or herself whatever means they can. So we tend to go to those places where we can boast about our soil. <laughs> Look at my heart. Isn't it really, really nice? Or we tend to be self, uh, self-based and say, Look at the kind of soil. I'm a rotten person. I'm all rocks and, and hard stuff. So we have a tendency to go to these very extreme places with this parable. And no thoughts are going to get in my heart. I may be just uh, a 30 or 60 percent, but at least I'm a part of the good soil, not like so-and-so over there who we know very well is rocky soil or thorny ground. If you spin your wheels on this kind of argument, let me assure you that Satan is winning the battle. Doesn't have to do much. We'll take care of it. The evil inside of us will take care of pointing the finger. Satan doesn't have to come along. He's already corrupted us. That's that thing about the flesh. When we're living in the flesh, where our minds are corrupted, and we start thinking in terms of right and wrong instead of, uh, instead of God's grace. Satan proves nothing more than, uh, doesn't have to do anything more than to have people start to justify themselves. I think what we can all attest to is this, that there are all kinds of soil in us. I don't think anybody's questioning that. Parts that are at times good, other times rocky, sometimes with very few roots. Jesus' parable doesn't point the finger at us but instead, it does the unexpected. It points the finger at the soul. Hmm. Didn't see that one coming. No doubt in my mind that the gospel in this story is about God, who is extravagant and sows seeds of grace on every kind of soil available. Doesn't care. Doesn't care. Doesn't look. Just starts throwing the seeds out. Is this surprising? I hope not, but I suspect that it is. We all have a well-developed uh, grace compass. Without our knowing, we tend to accept God's grace freely, so on, on good soil. But we also have a keen sense of who we are and who we believe ourselves to be. And we consider ourselves not to be deserving of that same grace. Here, then, is the other surprise. We are not only soil. We are also sowers. While God sows extravagantly, seemingly indiscriminately, we are not so easily given to God's extravagance. I guess we all have to ask the question, who sowed good seed in my life? Think about that for a minute. Who has sowed good seed in your life? Who sowed seeds of grace that somehow created roots and made good soil available and useful and our rocky soil and who sowed seeds to thorny soil but who sowed seeds in your life? When we can answer that honestly it's the moment we can begin to sow seeds of grace in other people's lives when we come honest with ourselves about what kind of things
things are growing in us. So two quick stories to think about this morning. First is a story that I shared not so long ago, a couple of weeks, about when Joan and I were driving downtown and witnessed a man standing on the wall of the Holiday Inn parking lot. I keep wondering what seeds were sown in his life. Who pointed a finger at him? Who is it that wondered whether he was worthy of God's extravagant grace? Anyone there knew that the moment would come when making the decision to jump was no small thing, but the seeds of doubt were already planted deeply in his mind. Along this gracious shower of compassion, I keep wondering who might have shown compassion? Someone who didn't just speak the word of love, but who embodied love for him. What seeds of love could have been sown? And the other question here is one I think is going to come out of left field for you. Who are the birds? Who are the birds who come and eat away the seeds of love and grace and compassion and life? And the critical question Am I a bird? Am I stolen? Have I eaten up God, the grace that God would give to another person? Am I a bird? The second story is this. I shared devotions on Thursday with the, the Chum Board. Uh, this was a text from my devotions. I, you know, I, I, I'm a small person minded, so I have to use a text as much as I can. So I was going to piggyback a little bit. So I shared this devotions with them in the same text. It's a great text, but especially for those who are a part of this, this community ministry. And the funny thing was that there was Methodists and Catholics and Lutherans and Baptists and Jewish synagogue people and peace uh, church representatives together finding ways to sow God's grace on every soil in any circumstance. The night before, however, I was here in the early evening and Abe was meeting downstairs. At some point, each person can tell their story, their successes, and their failures with sobriety. But the strength of AA is that each person's story helps them cope with their drinking, but it also gives fellow alcoholics the chance to support them, which in turn strengthens them in their own fight for sobriety. <coughs> good soil, planting good soil, being good soil. Good soil is at times fragile. It needs water and sun. It needs, it needs weeds to be pulled, yes. And still what boggles my mind is that our God, a God of faith, think about that, God has faith. God has faith. He believes against all odds that the seeds of His Word and His love will bring a harvest, crazy harvest. God knows us and still believes in His Word to forgive, heal, restore, 